Hello, everyone, and welcome to All of Us. My name is Rachel Wade. I'm the Chief Encourager and Founder here at All of Us, and I am so excited to be with you. Today, I have with me with me my friend, Rachel Garcia. This is episode 44, Open to Learning. Now, if you've been tracking along, you know that we are in a Leading and Loving Leadership series, and so Rachel is part three of that series, and so with that, Rachel, welcome to all of us. Would you introduce yourself to the family? Yes, thank you, Rachel. And I will say we are both Rachel, but we spell it differently. We do. So, E-L. <laughs> E-L, so I always have to remember that. Yes, <laughs> I know. It's and it, you're the you're the second Rachel that I've interviewed, but the other uh, Rachel to make it all confusing, the other Rachel does spell it like me, which is so uh, odd because I feel like often uh, more your way. So anyway. Yeah. There's all, all kinds of Rachels at all of us. Yes. <laughs> but only well, one of you. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. One Rachel Garcia on all of us. <laughs> That's right. so, thanks for having me. Um, so I do a lot of different things. My daytime job, I work for a tech company leading all things talent development. So that is our leadership development, career development, coaching programs, performance management. And then on the side, I do a lot of fun, creative things. I have a podcast called Disrupt the Defaults, where I interview women about their career journeys. I also write. I have a blog that has not been updated since February, but I do write. <laughs> Would you say? Mine's the same way. I'm like, yeah. I probably quit telling people that because I need to like update that. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's all written in my journal. So eventually it'll make its way um, on the computer. But yeah, I do have a blog, rachelsimone.co. And um, in my free time, I love yoga. I love eating out. And I really just love spending time with my friends. Mm, I love that, Rachel. And um, tell us a little bit about your Jesus journey. Like, how did you come to know Jesus? Yeah, so my grandparents. I grew up in Arkansas and my grandparents lived about 30 minutes away from us. And they would come pick me up for Sunday school every Sunday when I was three or four. My grandma still has a little card I made her. And I drew a card and said, thank you for taking me to church. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> they um, picked me up and took me to church. And my mom didn't go at the time. I lived with my mom. And I said, I always bothered her. Why don't you go to church? And I would ask her to come. And she had grown up in church, but just didn't go as an adult. And finally, um, she came back to church and then raised me going to our local church. Mm -hmm. I love this question so much because obviously our, our replies are going to be different. But I have heard often that it is the grandparents or even a friend or a neighbor, you know, that it's mm -hmm. the children's church and and they meet Jesus. And so we have a lot of grandparents at all of us. And so I just want to encourage those that are listening, if you're a grandparent, those deposits that you're making into your grandkids, they they very much matter. Um, and often you do see the parents follow suit after the oh, questions. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> the questions from their kids of like, why don't you go to church? You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, well, thank you so much for sharing. Well, Rachel, when I was thinking about this series over the summer, actually, and God was really like, you know, for this next new season, let's focus on leadership. Uh, you right away came to my brain. I really respect what you're doing um, in the marketplace um, amongst all the different jobs that I know that you have had. Uh, but I love your podcast. I started listening to it when you when you came out with it. The a name is amazing. <laughs> and so I just wanted to bring you along to, to pour into our community about leadership. And 
today specifically, uh, I want to really talk about this open posture to learning and how important that is, not just for our faith, um, but just for us as individuals. And so, uh, Rachel, as we think about that, I mean, I know that you're 33 years old. You mentioned that you're from Arkansas. What has the journey been like to get to know you? And talk to us a little bit about that. I'm like, well, we probably don't have time to cover the whole <laughs> question. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think honestly, it's been a lifelong thing, but probably going to college was that big moment of, oh, this is so different. I went away, I grew up in Arkansas my entire life, same t- small town. Mm-hmm. And I went away to North Carolina, didn't know anyone. And I remember everyone in my hometown was either, you know, usually Baptist, non-denominational or Catholic. And I went to school and I was like, not everyone is really, I mean, I had a few friends, other religions, but it was like, then I learned about there are atheists, like there are other things. People were from all over the world, all over the country. My roommate was from Singapore. And so it really pushed me to like, start figuring out like, who am I apart from where I was raised and my family and what do I believe? And so I joined all kinds of funny thing, leadership development programs. And I got coaching and mentorship and really leaned into figuring out like, what are the pieces of me that I hold that I, I still want to hold on to and what do I need to let go of and kind of, um, unlearn and release. Um, so that just started that journey. And since I've been an adult and just working full time, I've always on the side, you know, I had a job, I was in one sales job before I switched over to HR. And I remember I was leading so many leadership development, mentorship things. And I looked up and said, wait, maybe this is a job I could get paid for. So it was naturally a curiosity about how am I created? And then how are the people around me created? How do I interact with them? I always had this sort of curiosity about how we're wired in our stories and um, how to really lean into that. Oh, I love that. You know, what I'm hearing from your response, Rachel, is you getting out of what you were used to, your normal context, and then placing yourself in a different one really opened your eyes to other ways of thinking, believing, um, just a diversity of people. But yet you had this posture open to like, hmm, like what what are the things that I need to to learn more about or unlearn or, you know, or what is what even do I believe? You know, I think that that opens us up. And one of the greatest ways to do that is to get around people that are not necessarily like us. Um, I love that posture that you took on. Rachel, I don't know, um, this is a long time ago, but this just came to my my mind is I remember when you were on the side, like teaching people in your life, how to manage their budgets and like giving financial advice. And, and I just love so much about, you know, that in you, because you are a a beautiful teacher, but this knowledge that you had, you just wanted to share it, you know, and with people that were open to learning, um, you were able to give it. And so I just love how you are continue learner and teacher, might I add, um, So one of those things as we talk about like having tools about leadership and learning ourselves and learning new things is we met at a place called Camp Well um, in mountains of Colorado. And there we talked about like, you know, unlearning, uh, unpacking and repacking and just kind of all of these different tools. Um, What kind of spurred you in the direction? I know that that's one uh, tool that you use learn more about yourself, but what made you a go to want to go to camp? Well, and are there other different tools or events or camps or conferences that have really helped you to unpack your personhood, your values and your worth? 
Yeah. So Camp Well, I'm trying to think. I went twice. Yes. The first time was. I believe spring 2018 and then fall 2018. And so 2017, I graduated from grad school. So I was going through transition. I moved to Texas and kind of have been there ever since, but that was when I first moved to Texas. Um, I was starting my HR career out. I was in a new city where I didn't really know anyone. And I was still trying to figure out, because in my mind, I was switching careers. Everything was going to be perfect. And it wasn't going that way. I'd spent, you know, yeah, like two years in school, giving up, you know, a full-time job, making that salary, making this sacrifice in hopes of having this job I would finally just love. And I wasn't loving it. And I was disappointed. And I think um, I was coming off a series of disappointments. Mm -hmm. And so it was a time of transition, a time of disappointment. And somehow across social media, I don't remember exactly, I came across this blog post for Camp Well. And the photographer at the time, Melissa Zaldivar, had written it. And she wrote towards the end of the post, she said something about her being the photographer. And she's there working. And they left a seat for her at the table. They had her name written down and a space just for her. And she said, when you're normally working events, you don't have that. You're there to work. No one's, you know, leaving a space for you. It's just for the people attending and paying. And so... That meant a lot to me to see that there was a space where someone was saying, we want to fully see everyone here and not just that, but even the people who are working, like everyone here matters. I thought that was really beautiful. And I just felt something in my heart that I needed to be like, I could not stop thinking about it. And at the time I was in my mid twenties, it was a huge you know, commitment to put down that kind of money, but I could not get over the fact that there was something waiting for me there. And I signed up and went and um, it was, it was a great experience and decided to go back again. So obviously I had a good time. Right. Yeah. Well, I know I'm, I'm very happy that I became acquainted with you there and it's, it's a, a marked moment for the both of us um, mm-hmm. the learning for, you know, individually and then through the, some of the connections that we've made um, thus far from there. So, so, you know, in addition to the different like tools and things that you have access to be able to grow and to learn personally and professionally, are there any people, I mean, we always talk about how it's all of us together. And so yeah. with that, are there any people um, that have really ma- made an impact or have influenced uh, your faith, your career, in your personal life? Yeah, first of all, my grandpa, he is my favorite person in the world. All my friends know about him. He took me to church when I was little, but also was constantly giving me these little snippets of wisdom just in passing. And he always told me not to not limit myself. I could do anything. He made my world so much bigger than what it actually was. And I remember, you know, as an adult in my 20s, thinking, wow, here's a man, he's now 90 years old. So he was born in the 30s. And he has never once made me feel like I couldn't do something because I'm a woman or because of anything. He gave me a globe when I was probably in fourth grade. And he was like, Rachel, here's the world. It's yours to take. And I would write in my notebook of all the countries I wanted to go to and all the places I wanted to see. And I remember finding that notebook the last few years and checking off. I'd done all those things and had even forgotten, but he planted so many seeds of wisdom, of expansion, and just of this 
this idea of like limitlessness and this, this faith of, you know, what you see in front of you is not all that there is. There's always something so much bigger than you. Um, and that God, he, he really was big on like who you are. He would always say, you know, God gave you your own eyes and ears, use them. Never let anyone use your senses for you. They're yours to use. And he would say like, always remember who you are and whose you are and just little things about how to see the world and how to interact with the world. And I'll never forget that. I wrote my college uh, essay, admissions essay about him. And he was just so special to me and still is to this day, even though he's battling dementia, he's still so special to me. And then the other person from my hometown as well, my mom in high school called a woman from my hometown. She's a few years older than me and she had a great career. And my mom knew that I wanted to go to off to school and kind of do other things outside of our community. And so she asked her to be my mentor. And so at 17, she flew me out to visit her in North Carolina. And that's where I decided I wanted to go to school there. And she helped just mentor me professionally. And she modeled a lot of service. Same with my grandpa. They were both big on giving back and that commitment to lifting as you rise and always reaching back for other people, not just going along alone. So both of them set strong examples outside of my house of who I could be, what was possible, and the importance of really staying true to who you are. Oh my gosh, Rachel. Well, praise God for these two people in your life. I mean, yeah just the amount of seeds that they've sown into you, the words of encouragement, and then the watering too, right? Which is like planting the seeds, but then watering the seeds with, you know, continuing to pepper your life with encouragement and love and so much, you know, allowing you to just give you permission to dream. I think yes. we forget that, you know, we can be permission givers and to each other. And so um, it really does do something in our hearts and in our lives. And we have these people and the profound impact, you know, I always say that it's not just the tools and the, and the reading and being open to that kind of learning. It is good. And we need that. But then there yeah. is the personal connections, the, the mentors, the disciplers, the, the, the grandmas and grandpas, the aunties, yeah. you know? um, the mimas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, then there are the people right in our lives. Like it, it's not either, or it's both. And that we can be open to learning from all of these tools and people at the same yeah. time. Um, and I love, you know, I don't, I don't know if I've ever heard of a story where, you know, a mom has called on a mentor on their daughter or son's behalf, you know, like, I think that that was that courage from your mom to say, Hey, will you pour into my daughter's life? You know, will you be her mentor? Yeah. Uh, I know that that's encouraged me as a, as a mom, it's like, yeah. you know, people to pour into Maya and Caleb and I might have to be, you know, the person to ask, you know, uh, maybe hopefully that, that does happen organically, but if not, we can yeah. say, you know, Hey, can you, you know, teach me this? Can, you know, can you walk alongside my daughter or my son or, yeah. or maybe you're the one, you know, you're listening today. You're like, you know, I really want a mentor, or, you know, someone to disciple me. Is there someone in your community that you look up to, you know, whether that's professionally, personally, spiritually, or all and say, Hey, um, I would love for you to walk alongside me in this season of my life and then allow them to give, you know, to make their decision for themselves. But often I think we count ourselves out or we think people are too busy. Oh yeah. I, I told my mom, I said, that was one of the best things you've ever done for like, I don't, I asked her, I'm like, wow, that, 
that meant so much. And I don't think at that age, I really fully appreciated what that meant. But today, as an adult, I'll meet new people and it's hard to find mentors. They'll say, you know, I don't have a mentor yet, but to have started that kind of relationship so early in life and that set the bar that like that is something you need to have. And so as I've grown that list and expanded and then become a mentor for other people, it it's really powerful. And I think it's important to not count yourself out. Like you're saying, people can opt in or out or of what you ask. So don't count yourself out. And also it doesn't always have to be, will you be my mentor up front? I recently was curious about a new line, you know, and people HR, there's so many different things you could do. I was curious about a new part of it. So I told my manager about it and said, you know, anyone doing this, but are they doing it this certain way? And she had a name. I started meeting with this woman recently and we've just continued to meet because we enjoy it. We're like, oh, this was fun. She's like, I have questions about this and I have questions for her. And so now we've been sending each other emails and we've just started monthly meetings accidentally without, I haven't asked her to be a mentor. She hasn't asked, like we haven't asked each other anything, but we are truly just enjoying the time together. So now I'm like, oh, this is, you know, whether it's a friend or mentor, this is someone in my life who I now I'm like, I really appreciate having them there. And it just happened through an ask that didn't even have to be, will you be continuous? But like, I'm curious about this thing you do. And most people I found, people don't really do that. So they're happy to do it. They like to talk about what they do. They want to share what they've done because I think we all have that desire to kind of give back. Yeah, totally. And, you know, I think it's releasing what it what it looks like or maybe yeah. what it's, yeah. you know, it's like, you have that and it happened through you being a, a good question asker and wanting to gain more information. And from that has budded, you know, this relationship that is like you guys are both pouring into one another. And so yeah. sometimes we limit ourselves on what well, has to look this way and yes. this, this person, you know, where, where God's like, you know, no, no, I got something better for you. Right. You know, like, Let's take the pressure off. Um, and, and, and I'm guilty of it. It's wanting to strong arm a situation into what it should look like or the way that mm -hmm. I've that before. And, and so it, it's got to go this way. And yeah, you know, taking taking our hands off and say, Lord, you know, I desire to have, you know, these rich relationships in my life mm -hmm. or whatever the prayer is for you yeah. and surrendering how it will look. I love that. You're and I, I'll tell you something funny. I've said that prayer before even with friendship. And sometimes the answer is someone you already know. Yes. It's, it open either open your eyes or get deeper there. So that's the funny thing. I've prayed that prayer before, like, God, can you give me this thing? And he's like, you have it. Yes. It's yeah, there. It's you just have to embrace it. Exactly. And, and again, same thing with me. I, for a long time was praying, Lord, I really would like some, you know, women in ministry that are black women that they can, mm -hmm. you know, that I can learn from and grow from yes. bit farther ahead in the game than I am. And I was, you know, so sad for a long time, like, Lord, there's just no one here in San Francisco. And then started praying that prayer. And one day my eyes opened, like you do have this, it just, it's just not in your city, you know? And so be okay with it. Not saying not forever, but for now, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that discipleship looks like women that are exactly what you prayed for, but you're meeting with them on Marco Polo or you're meeting yeah. with them once a year in person or, you know, and but I had, I didn't have eyes to see her, Rachel, like, and the Lord very gently and kindly was like, I have answered that prayer. <laughs> it just looks different. <laughs> 
So there we go. Thank God for his patience, right? Yeah, because <laughs> I don't have much of it. So he has to have enough for both of us. Ditto, ditto. <laughs> well, when we talk about like going kind of back to your mother and her, you know, asking that other woman to disciple you, I know, and, and that, that was a brave, bold ask, but some of us, you know, we struggle to ask for the help, to ask for the discipleship, the wisdom, the mentorship. And so what would some encouragement be, you know, to the person that's listening or watching right now that's just struggling to just ask for help? Maybe they don't have all, I mean, we don't, none of us have all the knowledge about all the things. Yeah. They're struggling. What would you say to them today? So on my vision board for 2023, <laughs> I have a picture. It's from Instagram, an account by um, a woman named Lovey. And I saved this, printed it out. It says, let my helpers find me. Let me be able to receive their help. Mm -hmm. And that was one of my prayers coming into 2023 because historically, I'd really struggle with that. I was someone who got things done, not always just because I wanted, it's just, that's what I have to do to get through. So sometimes it was a survival thing, but I had gotten used to doing things on my own. And then finally I had a revelation through, you know, just inner work, doing therapy things, learning all kinds of things, digging in. I realized that it was really harming me to not allow people to give to me and to not be able to receive because I thought about it. And a lot of the issues I had where they were like relationships or friendships that weren't healthy in my twenties were due to the fact that I was giving too much and pouring out and I wasn't getting anything poured back to me. But guess what? If you won't let anyone pour into you, who are you going to surround yourself with? People who love you and care about you are not going to be comfortable only taking from you, depleting you. That is, they're not going to do it. They're not going to be okay with that. And so I realized if I wanted healthy relationships, I needed to be a good giver and a good receiver because that's what's required to have healthy relationships. And so seeing it from that perspective, I was like, oh, <laughs> I, I want healthy people around me. I want to be a healthy person. Let's re rethink this and look at what this means. And so now I've gotten better at it just by practicing. Like I, even when I was having a hard week a few weeks ago, I told one of my friends, I just texted her. I'm like, Hey, I'm having a hard time this week. I don't know why life feels fine. It's just one of those weird weeks where you feel off. And I said, can you, can you think about me? Can you pray for me? Can, can you just, uh, yeah, just like be here for me as I go through this. And she was checking on me every day and she was making sure I was okay and it felt so good to be in that with someone else. But if I hadn't told her, she doesn't live in the same state city. She never would have known to show up for me. So then it lets my brain tell a story that people don't want to show up for me. They don't love me. And so I realized I was in this vicious cycle of my own making. And so you have to create the space for people to help you. And they get to decide if they can or if they're willing to. But nine times out of 10, I haven't had any issues with that. And also it makes it beautiful to like, it makes helping feel better for you too. Cause you see what it's like to be on that other end of receiving. And it feels really good to just feel held and cared for. So this year I'm all about it. I'm like, yes, I will take the help. I, I'm so limited on my own. And it also allows me to think bigger about my career, who I am as a woman. I don't have to have all the answers. There are other people who can help me. I don't have to do it all alone. And that to me is just freeing. <laughs> that is 
so freeing. <laughs> to, to hold it all, to come up with it all, to execute it by yourself, you know, like, yeah. it, it, no, you know, especially as believers that we were never meant to do life on our own. Um, and I know some of our wirings are different and some of us are more inclined to, um, you know, have, do all the things and, you know, but it doesn't mean that we should, should do all the things. It's yeah. actually healthy. And, um, I love what you said too, uh, really looking at the friendships in your life and asking yourself that question is good for some of us. We should probably pause right there because as you take a look around at the relationships in your life, um, if you're doing all the pouring, um, and then there is no pouring back, that's, that's something to pray about and to consider, yeah. you know, for those relationships, what's really good, what's really happening there. Um, and then also what is your part to play in, in the other side of that too? Because I think we have to also, um, be forthcoming with, like you said, Hey, I'm having a down week this week. Yeah. Um, that hasn't always been easy for me either, Rachel. That's an area that I downright struggle in and asking for help, but, I realized as being a helper, you know, on the Enneagram, especially I'm a two, um, the, in, in unhealth, that is prideful. You know, it is prideful for me to not ask, to invite others in, um, to whatever it is, you know, to build business, to, uh, to just do life in general, you know? And so when I had that revelation, it really had, but it's, it's a practice. It's a practice in, Hey, I need you. Hey, let's do this together. Um, instead of just being like, oh, I can handle this or, you know, so anyway, so for the people that are on the other side of that, cause you're really talking about, you know, for those that struggle to ask for help and, mm -hmm. you know, encouraging them, but what about those that um, have trouble saying no? And I know you kind of have some thoughts and feelings around this yeah. and, and don't mind asking for help and doing all, and, and, and they are on the other end of the spectrum. So what would you, what would you say to them for the ones that struggle with saying no? Which is funny because a lot of, there's a lot of overlap between the two groups. Funny <laughs> and murky right there. <laughs> a lot of overlap between the two groups. So I actually have written a blog post about this. So if you want to check that out, that is on my website, but saying no, what I realize is Saying no makes my yeses so much better because to be able to have the space, the mental energy, the emotional energy, I am such a limited human being. I have so much limited energy. I, it's just, some things are so hard for me. And to be able to really say these things that matter to me, which for me, my friends, family, number one in my life, if I really want to have the emotional energy to show up for them. I have to say no to other things that are important to me sometimes, but may not be the most important thing. And so when I think about the actual practice of saying no, I, I think it was, I can't remember if it was 2022 or 2021, but I had a look at everything on my plate. I was exhausted. I took a look at everything on my plate and I was like, something just has to go. So I basically took almost everything off of my plate and just rebuilt from scratch what, what do I want in this area of my life? Because it's so easy for us to be on autopilot and not stop and think, does this make sense anymore? So now I have a new rule because I'm an excited yes person. I want to do all the adventures and say yes to the opportunities. I have a new rule. When someone asks me to do something, I say, let me think about that. Can you share more information? Can I look into this? I don't care how excited I am, how great it sounds. If it is professional with my personal life I'm a little different but if it's professional I say yes to nothing up front I give myself a few days 
sometimes a few weeks to sit with it. And that allows me to take a step back and say, I'm excited about this, but is this the right time? Is it aligned with what I want to talk about or what I want to do? Is it something I feel I'm the right person for? So you get a different lens of not just, I want to do it, but is it even right for me? Is it right right now? Does it make sense for the bigger picture? And that has helped me get so much better at making decisions because I don't want to do anything out of resentment. And it is so easy when you say yes to everything to resent people. When you you signed up, you said yes, but you're like, I'm mad. Why did they? Why did they ask me to do this? People have the right to ask what they want, and you have the right to say no. And so I started owning my nose and helping people at work too, kind of own theirs. And it's been a really great journey. I'm still working on it, but having that rule has helped so much. And people get mad sometimes, even personally, family will get mad if I don't do something but I just stand firm. And if it's really bad, I'll call a friend and say, I yeah. said, like, this is what I did. I can tell the person's not happy with me. Can you just please like, let me know if I did like, just talk through it with me and they'll talk through it with me. If I'm having a really hard time holding that answer. Um, and sometimes I'll, depending on the person I may explain myself, sometimes I don't, but it's been really great to feel like I can show up better for the people in my life. And I don't have as much, I don't resent people. I don't resent uh, doing things. I do things out of a place of joy. Like I like it. <laughs> That's so good. Thank you for sharing that. I'm thinking about too, you know, even dipping back into what we, when we were talking about community, how we don't have to do, make decisions alone either. You yeah. know, you know, taking the time before you say yes or no to uh, a new opportunity that comes your way. In that meantime, you know, with your discernment and looking at your schedule and prayer, you can also invite this trusted, um, you know, have in your life and say, hey, knowing what's on my plate right now, knowing, you know, what what my goals are, knowing how I'm aligned. Do you think what what's your thought on if I should say yes to this opportunity? Uh, I have found in my pastor here in San Francisco, Ben Pilgrim, he he calls it the wisdom table and it's, it's built out of scripture um, in Proverbs and you know, it's talking about like how on your wisdom table, who, who is sitting at that table. So identifying who those people mm -hmm. are. And then when you're, as you're going through life and you are, um, you know, you know that they love you and that they are seeking the Lord as well. You can invite someone in on your wisdom table to help you make decisions. And so I like I, that. recognizing that we're not alone, you know, and like you said, we're going to disappoint people along the way there's just no way that we're going to make everybody happy. And again, that's easier for me to roll off the tongue and say, uh, but, you know, we feel it every time, but I will say that it has gotten easier, Rachel. I don't know if you yes. my nose have gotten easier and yes. not even having to give a reason on my nose. Sometimes that has been like the next step of uh, me growing in this area of, yes. you know, trying to not go, go to a, a birthday party or, or take on this gig or whatever. And just saying, you know what? I can't do that, but thank you so much for asking me. I yes. feel so you would ask you know but not saying I have something else or there's a concept yeah. like literally just say no you know we can just say no or not right now and it's okay we don't have to give a, a, a reason so yeah. it's a practice I think saying no it, is <laughs> and there are levels to it like you said I think with anything with the learning space there are levels to it and that's important to remember you never 
I don't think you ever make it to the end. You just keep going deeper and you're like, oh, I thought I had this, but there's a new level. Exactly. Exactly. Well, shifting kind of out of this personal, you know, being open to learning and professional, what about spiritually, Rachel? Like how have you come to really learn and embrace your belovedness, you know, as a, as a daughter of the King, like what is learning about that and being open to a continued posture of learning about what the Lord thinks about you and says about you, how's that shaped you? And and how do you do that? Yeah. Well, I think with that, I had a really strong foundation in I know some of my grandfather's teachings, his teachings about who you are and where that comes from. As an adult, I definitely have forgotten that. But the way I think about it is that is my source. So I'm like plugged into the wall. I'm like, I'm plugged into a source. And so that part of me, I feel like is unstable, unchanging. All this other stuff externally, it changes the things like I might be working on different projects. I might be around different people at different times. But this source of what God thinks about me and how he created, like that to me is like a core thing and it's a strong foundation. And I just build upon that. But there are times where I have to remind myself, whether it's through something I keep on my phone, I have a little notes app that on the notes app, I have a list of quotes, I have a list of scriptures and just different things when I start to forget, (laughs) forget all. I'm like, wait, let me remember. Let me remind myself. And also have people in my life who remind me whenever I get off track and can speak truth into me. And I know those people. And you have to have people who you can trust to tell you the truth. Because the truth is not always going to feel good. I have to uh, tell me about myself sometimes. And I have other people who will tell me about myself too. And you have to be willing to receive that because if you can't receive that, they can't help you. And so that is also something like it takes some vulnerability to open up and let people in that way to tell you the good and the bad and not take offense to it or to have an initial reaction of, ooh, I didn't like that. But to be able to sit with it and say, ooh, they have my best interest in mind. They love me. They are kind. That is a kindness. They are kind enough to want the best for me to say this hard thing. Let me listen. Let me at least consider it. Yeah. And Rachel, so how, I mean, you kind of are dipping into it already, but like, how does a posture open towards learning and unlearning? How's that important, you know, for all of us? Yeah. I honestly think unlearning is a bigger part of the picture. (laughs) Yeah, totally, totally. I feel like that's what most of adulthood has been is unlearning and then learning on top of that because we're born and we're kids and kids are so beautiful. You know, we have these ideas and we're so free and open and then the world starts to like judge us or make us think certain things. So we start to shrink and agree and keep the peace. But then you become older and you're like, oh wait, this isn't working. Let me let go of this and then learn again. So the unlearning piece is the most important. And something I remind myself of, uh, there's a new book out. Adam Grant wrote a book called Think Again. And it's all about challenging what you think. And so I tell myself, and I even say this, like sometimes when I'm working with teams at work, I want to disagree with myself. I want to 20 years from now say, oh, I really believe that thing when I was 33. 
not so much. I have learned and grown and I realized I was so wrong about that or parts of that was right, but I was able to add to it. And so um, I've made it kind of an expectation in life that you will not get it right. That failure is not uh, some big thing that is big and scary. It is sometimes, but it's like, it's an expectation I will fail. It's an expectation I will get it wrong. It's an expectation that I'm going to change my mind and I want to. So I do these little experiments in my life where I try to prove myself wrong. So I hate tracking things. I'm more of a free, I don't like time, like time. I don't schedule in my personal life is very stressful and not fun for me to schedule my personal life. So I decided this year I was going to track every ounce of water I had to drink, every workout minute I had, every workout. I was going to track my steps every day. And I did it for about the first six months of the year. Every day I tracked all these things because people say you have to track everything and that's the only way to reach your goals. And my brain doesn't work that way. So I said, let me just see if I'm wrong. And I got to the month six and I said, ooh, I don't know if this has served me anymore. Like this is starting to feel kind of like it's not helping me. So I reflected and I realized it was really helpful to start those habits at the beginning of the year. And then at some point it worked against me. So I was like, oh, it is right. Like they are right. It helped me get started, but it's not what kept me going. And Mm. so I do things like that to prove myself wrong when I have a thought and I'm like, am I in my own way? Like I do, I purposely do that. So then when life deals me a hand where, oh wait, I have no control of this. It's easier to deal with that because I put into practice doing it on my own when I have a choice. Rachel, that's deep. That's a, I mean, that practice, uh, man, if we all were to apply in some way, those experiments with self to say, you know, like, I, I think this, like, let me do a deep dive on this, or let me do an experiment around this yeah. idea or even belief. Um, and Lord, what, what am I going to, what do you, you know, allow me to have eyes to see what you want me to learn from this. And yeah. for each of us, it can look different, but I think, you know, we don't just say, oh, well, I, I'm going to be, I'm open, but like, if we don't practice like masters yeah. or experimenting, um, or getting around different types of people are, you know, learning about new tools and applying them. I think it's just us saying it versus actually us being open to it. Yeah. And part about, you know, too, Rachel, at least for me, and I think a lot of people is we somehow have gotten away from it. It's okay to have thought a certain way, thought you were right about something. And then when you've gotten the eyes to see, or you yeah. want to do to eat especially if it was dangerous to you or other people it's okay to say I was wrong then and now I see the light or I did this before and now I see different and I'm going to go a different way Uh, sometimes we get stuck there and and shame and grief and oh yeah idol of you know the way we thought things were supposed to be and it just was supposed to be so static and so for the one that's saying right now like yeah I've unlearned a lot of things and I feel you know anxious I feel like dis- disillusioned about where to go from here what would you say to them about this unlearning and where to move yeah well that is that's how you should feel <laughs> if you <laughs> unlearning I'm like, that first of all yeah you have been doing the work. <laughs> if you, if that is where you're at, you actively have, because if you're unlearning and you're not feeling any discomfort, I would question that. So if you're starting to feel that you are, you are on the right path. You're headed in the right direction. 
And for me, when it comes to that's where I was stuck, I feel like for half my 20s, okay, I know not this. I know I want this. I don't know how to connect those dots or build that bridge. Um, And so I think it can be so overwhelming to think about that. Like there are all these things I have to do right now where there's this big gap I have to close. And so what I think about is like, what's the next right step? Or what do I need today? Where do I need to meet myself today? Because when I look over time, anything I've done, it hasn't been linear. So it's, it's been like up and down and up and down, even starting the podcast, I started it, all these personal things happened. I didn't work on it for a while, started again. Like it's been a whole thing. Um, but I think practicing being more present and looking at, okay, this is uncomfortable owning, like this feels bad. It's uncomfortable. I don't like it. And I don't know what to do next. And I'm going to write it down and I'm going to be okay with not knowing. And you build that muscle of like it, even when it is still going to feel bad, but building that muscle and maybe having something you do, is it call a friend? Is it go for a walk that takes you out of that overthinking that gets you stuck? But I think it's like, I've had entire years of feeling like that at times. Yeah. Rachel, often I, when I have felt that way, um, I have just to offer up something else too, like just prayed about that feeling that I'm feeling. Like I'm feeling, Lord, I'm feeling very disillusioned by, you know, X that has happened because perhaps there is, he can meet you in that and maybe, you know, a next right step for you to take Mm -hmm. from that. Sometimes that is what we need to feel in order to create change, in order to build something new, in order to uh, walk alongside someone else that's grieving is um there's something that can be birthed out of those feelings that um are from god you know like there we, we tend to want to shoo away those feelings and we have yeah. certain feelings as good and bad and you know it's something that i've actually had to learn as well it's like you know there's not good and bad emotions there's just emotions <laughs> you know mm-hmm. there's just emotions and and god has given us that and, and and seeing them like that has allowed me to say okay i'm feeling heartbroken right now you know lord like is this just is this just heartbreak for today mm-hmm. or is this, is this a stirring of something else that you're doing with me you know like so just getting curious even about those yeah. feelings come from you know the unlearning or even the learning you know i think is a really good like you know curiosity for us all to kind of have so i love what you said about not trying to label emotions as bad or good at the gym this morning, the teacher at the end of class mentioned, which I think is so perfect for this conversation, said there are six basic emotions, sadness, happiest, happiness, fear, anger, surprise, and disgust. Happiness is the only kind of always positive emotion out of the six basic emotions. So we spend so much time trying to force this happiness. And for me, as I started to become like, get healthier with my emotions and things and boundaries. I was like, oh, you can still be learning these things and feel bad. Like it doesn't mean that you're going to feel good all the time because you're doing the right thing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. I love that. And you know, I'm like, uh, I love all of us and what we're doing here, but there's been a lot of emotions that have not been happy. 
you know, as I've learned and tried to keep figuring out technology and, you know, I mean, like yeah. this, not all, it's not all a happy emotion. And I think, uh, we should normal, normalize these other emotions and, uh, well, goodness, talk through them and pray through them for sure. Yes. <laughs> well, Rachel, as we end our time together before rapid fire, um, I want to ask you, like in light of the of the learning and the unlearning and the open posture towards, you know, learning about yourself as a beloved daughter, so spiritual, um, the tools and the different modalities that you have said yes to, you know, in your journey to understand your womanhood, your personhood. Um, how has this helped you to shape like what in the season that you're in as a talent development specialist? Like how do you help to call out and cultivate the gifts and passions that are in, you know, the employees that you have the pleasure of walking alongside? How is how has your experience informed the job and how you show up? So this is my favorite part of my job, getting to have those individual small group conversations with people and helping them see all the beauty in them that, you know, I've, I've been there. I haven't seen it myself sometimes. So being able to help people see that is so special to me. I think it's one of the best things about what I get to do. And my journey has given me a lot of empathy for what people are experiencing. It also has allowed me to say, if I have a manager come to me, they're having an issue with an employee and maybe they are doing some things wrong, but they start to say, Ooh, I shouldn't be a manager. I'm so bad at this. I get to say to them, well, first of all, this is part of it. Like everyone's going to mess up. It's part of the job, but also you get to go test that. You have other employees on your team. Go talk to them about how you manage. If they tell you're doing a great job, you're confirmed this, what you're thinking, is it true? If they tell you a bunch of things you need to improve, you now have the tools to become the kind of manager you want to be. So it's taking back some of that power. And so the biggest thing I think from experiencing this myself and then being able to help other people at work is like, I'm not here to solve all your problems, to give you all the answers. I don't know that for you. I'm not that powerful. It's not possible. But what I can do is walk with you and ask you questions. I can help you see. I can give you ideas for things to go do to reclaim some of that power and actually make a change versus being stuck. So I love that I don't have to have all the answers to do what I do. I just have to be curious and open and be willing to sit with people in all the messiness that comes with work. Amen. I know that you do that. So when I see just from this conversation, the seeds planted in you from your grandfather and from your mother and from all those, the, the, your mentor, uh, you get to do the same thing now, you know, in your personal life and in your, in your, your role and your job. And I just love how God connects it all together for us. And so, so, yeah. so, so, well, with that, Rachel, we'll end our time today with uh, some open fire questions. So are you ready? Yes, I am. <laughs> uh, Rachel, how would you complete these sentences? God is kind and resourceful a posture open towards learning is a posture of being willing to get it wrong mm, love that and all of us are better when we spend less less time judging and more time just loving each other amen amen <laughs> and all that uh, Rachel, thank you so much for being a part of all of us and for being specifically a part of this leadership uh, leading and loving series. It's been an honor and a pleasure uh, to have you here. If people want to connect with you, we'll put everything in the show notes, but real quickly, 
Um, how can they connect with you? And if you have anything coming up that you want to share, uh, let us know right now. Yeah. So on Instagram, I'm at rachelsimone.co. Uh, the podcast, you can find Apple, Spotify, Disrupt the Defaults, disruptthedefaults.com. And then my blog, rachelsimone.co, um, where I do make blog posts every now and then. I'm going to try to do it more. But thank you so much for having me. I appreciate just having the time and space to talk about these things. And I'm so glad that our past that connected five years ago now that we continue to stay in each other's lives. So thank you. Thank you, Rachel. All right, all of us family, we will see you soon. Take care. Bye.